And so it really gets us to start thinking along the lines of rather than just thinking of like what just the clinical aspect of dentistry, you start really driving in more into the service of what you're trying to provide for people. You're listening to the Dental Sherpas podcast, where we make it easier to transform your practice, get out of the chair and into the life you want. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. I'm here as always with my good friend and co-host, Dr. Sed Lewis. Hey Sed, how are you out there in Hawaii today? I'm all good, man. How are things in Tennessee? Hey, they're going well. We've had a little bit of technical difficulty today and a little bit of, as we call, our ceilings of complexity. So it's good to be here and I'm ready to dive into this episode. You ready to get going? Absolutely. Let's get it going. You know, I want to continue with this idea of base camp principles to really kind of expound upon our theme of climbing the, what can feel like the Everest of transforming your practice. And so these base camp principles become very important. And one of the things that we covered, uncovered last week in our episode was this base camp principle around mindset, but then also around shifting the mindset in the practice. And so one of the things that I have found over my career in working with dentists is that many dentists find themselves trapped in what I call the owner's trap. When I say the term owner's trap, Seth, what comes to mind when you think about doctors being trapped as the owner of their practice? There's a saying I've learned, the bottleneck is always at the top. So just to kind of make an analogy with dentistry, you know, doctors have these special talents that enable them to be great clinicians and productive leaders in their dental practice. However, that greatest strength for that particular individual is usually the company's most vulnerable weakness because at some point, there's only so much an individual can do both in the chair and out, kind of driving and leading that practice. So Matt, you just called that the ceiling of complexity. You know, that's a really big term, and I think it's exactly what we're talking about here, because inevitably, many doctors find it difficult, if not impossible, to delegate duties, especially high-level ones in the practice. And as my good friend John Christensen likes to say, in order to grow, you must open the flow. And this is especially important as you bring more people on your team as one needs to learn how to delegate. You know, one's always going to have to hand off these certain functions to refocus on what they do best. It's kind of like Matt's mentor, Dan Sullivan, likes to say, you need to figure out your unique ability and be more focused on that. So one's got to understand that if your intention is to grow, you must provide the ability for your team to take on more responsibilities and open them up for their own personal and professional growth. If this flow of more people and more responsibilities aren't properly delegated, the owner doctor is literally choking the growth of the very company he or she is trying to grow. And, and you know, Doc, I, I get it, right? I mean, as dentist, I'm not a dentist. I'm trained in other specialties, but you guys are trained in all things skill, right? So you're trained to have this really unique skill set to do what it is that you do. And so I get it. You think that doubling down on your skill set is the way to grow the practice. And it does one thing, right, Said, I mean, it does mm -hmm. increase your income. Doubling down on your skill set could possibly increase your income. And one of the traps that I find that dentists are in is that I like to joke and say, dentistry is just too dang profitable, right? You can get <laughs> trapped in this mindset or this, not even really mindset, you can get trapped in this situation where because you've doubled down on your skill, you're producing a nice amount and you're getting to keep a lot of that. But the number one sign that I find that shows that you are trapped in the chair or trapped in the owner's trap is this. 
Your business slows when you take a vacation. It's as simple as that. Does your business slow down when you're out of the office? See, the owner doctor is trapped when they are the most skilled, most knowledgeable, and highest producer in the practice. And that can get you to a certain level of business success, but it's not going to allow you to transform that practice and really turn it into wealth and do all the things that we hear doctors say all the time that they want to do. They want to get out of the chair. They want to have more freedom, those kinds of things. So this idea of the owner trap is really important to understand to kind of dissect how we have been trapped. So let me ask you that question, Sid. How have doctors trapped themselves and kind of what's keeping them there in this trap? You know, I think that's kind of what you're talking about there. I think, unfortunately, many doctors just frequently try to hold on to too much and have trouble letting go. I mean, to your point, you've identified, you know, the major weakness in that type of environment. Your doctor can be extremely profitable and do extremely well by staying in the chair and doubling down, like you said, on the clinical aspect and becoming a great producer. But at the end of the day, they're still holding on too tight in terms of them still being the lightning rod of the business. And so a true business really can't grow if there's an individual who's solely the driving force of that. So in other words, the doctor becomes truly the bottleneck, even though he might think or he, she might think that she's the, the reason that practice is performing so well, they're oftentimes the biggest constrictors of growth. These are the kind of doctors you might hear them say things like, I wouldn't ask my people to do anything I wouldn't do myself. Or, you know, it just takes too long to train them. It's quicker just to do it myself. When I hear these things from doctors, Oftentimes, it's typically the symptoms are those doctors who are struggling with growth or struggle with their associate doctors or struggle to get their managers to buy in. So what's keeping them there is a limiting belief that in order for the practice to perform well, they must have their hand in every facet of the operation. So this belief, and I would call it a fear, rather than resulting in a high-performing team and business, instead results in this culture of codependence and that practice being held back based on the belief that the doctor must be involved for that company to function. So this inevitably leads to what I call the death spiral and burnout of many dental careers just because of the cycle of dysfunction. Mm, that's good, Ted. The death spiral. Talk a little bit more about the death spiral. What does that look like? So death spiral is typically one in which a doctor has convinced himself that in order for this place to do well, he's got to be or he, she's got to be very involved and drive productivity, drive success, drive the culture of practice. And to be honest, it works for a short period of time. It does provide a certain bump. It does provide a certain level of, I would call it diminishing success. So the death spiral to me means that someone who never quite figures out that in order for the company or the practice to do better, they've got to remove themselves from that particular lightning rod, as I said earlier, in the practice. So the death spiral becomes one where there's only so much you can do. Docs, we all know this. There is a certain level of burnout in what we do. And if you are the sole force of growth in that particular practice. I don't care who you are, what talent you have, what energy you have, what experience you have. At some point, there are diminishing returns. Your body's going to break down. Your mindset's going to break down. Your spirit's going to break down. Your time and your focus on your family or your things you're passionate about are going to break down. That leads to resentment. That leads to a certain level of dysfunction in your life. And ultimately, that leads to your practice and yourself going down this unfortunately deep, dark place. As you know, said, one of the reasons that I really got involved with dentists and in dentistry is because when I first got introduced to it, I ran into the doctors that you're talking about. 
the doctors that are, you know, 40, 45 years old, 50 years old, something like that, and their bodies are breaking down. And when we started dissecting what the problem was, I mean, literally one of the first dentists that I work with, he called me and he said, listen, my doctor just told me if I keep practicing like this, I'm going to die. Like this practice of dentistry is going to kill me. If I don't get out of the chair, I'm going to die probably within five years. I need some help and I need to figure this out. And so we, as, as I started dissecting with folks like you, hey, what are the problems and, and what is really happening? What I saw was that dentistry, when the doctor is in the chair, not to beat a dead horse, but when the doctor is in the chair, it is so profitable but all that the doctor is doing when they're in the chair, and this is, gosh, this is so counterintuitive, but it's such a huge point, even for me to say to myself, when the doctor is in the chair, they're really creating a great income for themselves. And as long as everything is working perfectly, and what I mean by everything working perfectly, as long as that owner doctor can get his rear end in the chair and see patients, then there's a nice income at the end of the day. But what he's not creating is he's not creating an asset, an asset that will continue to create value and continue to produce for him or her once they do get out of the chair. And so what we were finding was the doctors that were in that death spiral that you talk about, their bodies were breaking down, they were very unhappy, and they were trying to figure out how to get out of it. And it really, you know, goes back to deciding what am I trying to build? Am I trying to build a nice income? In my opinion, am I trying to build a nice income? Or am I trying to build an asset? And one of the things that, you know, we learned is that in most businesses, as my mentor, Dan Sullivan, that you mentioned, likes to say, he says, hey, whenever you have a business idea, test it out on the check writers. Go to your ideal client and ask that ideal client, what is it that they want? And if they'll pay for this, or if they'll you know, take action based on what you're providing for them, then you know that you have something of value. And so what we also learned was that most dentists don't pay attention to what the patient wants, which are their check writers, right? So talk a little bit about that, about, I think this is a base camp idea, right? And I think there's a foundational place that we need to start to really start thinking about what really are we in business for? Are we in business to create this income? Or are we in business to provide value, like you say, serve others better, to provide value for these, our check writers, our ideal clients, our patients out there? So talk a little bit about that, about this idea of a doctor-focused practice versus a patient-focused practice and then I'd like to kind of talk a little bit then about what you've learned as you made some of those shifts, because it's not the sole answer, but it kind of is this base camp idea, this first answer, shifting from doctor focus to patient focus. Got some thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, to me, again, it starts with the mindset, right? I mean, if one really has the mindset of growth, your focus is not so much on so much on yourself or kind of like, you know, a myopic way of looking at it, like just driving productivity. The mindset is a focus is on the patient and team winning first, and then the practice second. So that's the way I kind of drive the actual mindset from looking at being a doctor-driven practice to a patient-focused practice. I love what you're talking about. One of the signs that I find that doctors are, see if this sounds familiar to you, that doctors are in this doctor-focused practice, is we say, hey, listen, we noticed you're not open on Fridays. Let's talk about that. And they say, well, I don't want to work Fridays. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're building this practice around themselves. Absolutely. 
Yeah, that, that becomes you're you're driving the practice around the doctor's lifestyle or the practice's lifestyle needs and not what the patient truly needs. That's exactly right. But according to a 2015 survey done by Northwestern University for Chris Ad, we found that 85% of all patients, when asked, patients with jobs, which is important, right? Because they either have dental insurance or they can pay, uh, should be able to pay for their dental services. Those patients, 85% of them, when asked, would prefer before work, after work, or weekend cleanings, hygiene hours. They would prefer those types of hours. But what most doctors say is when we start talking about this, they say, well, I don't want to work those hours. And that's a totally separate issue, right? We can talk about that, and we'll talk about that in future episodes. But what they're really saying is, hey, this practice is all about me. It's one of the telltale signs that they are in the owner's trap and choking the potential of the practice because they're not focusing on the patient. How have you guys in your practice started focusing on the patient instead of just the doctor? You know, I think one of the things we do is like in my practice, I try to make it pretty easy just to kind of look at how our staff and our team and doctors approach, you know, the practice philosophy and practice mission. And one of the things I've heard you heard me say earlier was serve people better. And so in that context, I'm always just trying to create some real easy to understand means of like, what can we rally around that's going to get people to focus on what we're supposed to be doing and promising, which is great patient care. So in my practice, we define that as like a holy trilogy in our practice, right? We strive to meet three important needs and wants. And for us, that's the patient's time, their money and pain. So we endeavor to provide care to patients at times that are really convenient to them. So rather than even getting into that discussion about like, well, I don't like working weekends. I always kind of turn the table and go, well, you know, what do you think patients want? You know, I mean, they're busy people. You're a busy person. What do you think they want? What's going to make them appreciate it? What's going to create the value to them in terms of what we represent as a dental practice to them? And so it really gets us to start thinking along the lines of rather than just thinking of like what just the clinical aspect of dentistry, you start really driving in more into the service of what you're trying to provide for people. And the other thing we talk about in the Holy Trilogy is we're always talking about the money. I mean, people don't talk about it enough. I mean, the reality is, Patients worry about that stuff. And if a doctor is simply thinks that, oh, the money's just going to simply come our way because I do such great dentistry and the patient understands the value, that ain't going to resonate with people. I always find them so funny in dental school when I have instructors who would tell us things like, you don't diagnose people's wallets. But Matt, you and I both know that if you're not doing that <laughs> and caring about people and their value of money, you're simply being detached from reality, especially now. And so a big thing we're always doing is that we try to do whatever we can, whether it's flexible payment schedules, whether it's working well with their insurance companies, whether it's being attuned to making it more affordable to them or having the dialogue because I know that's extremely important. And the third thing, and this is pretty comes easy to all doctors, we're, we, we really take that level of understanding the comfort aspect, what people want. So we're, you know, we're taking care of the time, we're taking care of the money issues they have. But unless a doctor is really, really good about the patient care, and it's easy to tell people we provide comfortable, patentless care, but we mean that the entire organization, right? It better be a comfortable and pleasurable experience as much as it can be in a dental office, right? But we want to make sure that we make that level of experience for them as comfortable as possible. Meaning, are we communicating well? Are we showing empathy? Are our doctors and our staff making sure the experience is comfortable from all aspects? And when I say comfort, it doesn't just relate to the patient sitting in a chair and us working on top of them. It means like, are we doing things to defray their anxiety? Are we doing things to make them feel comfortable in our home? And that's what we call it, in our home. Are we doing those things? Because if we're not, 
we're typically, we're missing the boat. So again, looking at that aspect and you start driving your questions to your team and you start trying to create the better model for your practice. I think if you come at it from that aspect, rather than the clinical or the didactic or, or whatever you want to call it, scientific aspect of providing dentistry, ultimately you start making better decisions for the company to do well and service the people the way I think the doctor originally intended to be. So knowing a little bit of your story said, you did that, you shifted several years ago from that doctor focused practice, or really we should even say kind of owner focused practice to this patient focused practice. And again, what we mean by that is just saying, Hey, what, how can we give the patient what they want and meet their needs? I love that Holy Trilogy idea that you talked about there. So you did that shift, your practices grew, but as you've said on this podcast before, and just knowing your story, just transforming your model wasn't enough. You said in last week's episode, it all fell apart. What did you learn Absolutely. when it all fell apart? Well, that, that's an entirely different issue. I think one of the things that I learned implicitly there is that you can have the best patient-centric philosophy and have the kind of model that really serves the patient. But the other piece of the pie, as I like to say, is you have to also create a practice that's very staff-driven, Right. The biggest mistake I made was not losing sight of the model of patient care, but rather what I made a big mistake on was not building it based on team-driven principles. You know, my mistake was poor leadership and a limited mindset, right? You know, I left at the time, my story is I was growing the practice and I had an, an original office that was doing pretty well on its own. And I left that office to its own devices, you know, by really not providing them any measurable expectations, by not really actively collaborating with them. And I kind of left them, I don't want to say to the wolves, but I really left them to their own level of function, just figuring it out as they go on. Because in my mind, I thought, well, things are so great. I provided this great tapestry of success. Just do what I did. And that's exactly what I did wrong is that I had this attitude of just do what I do or just follow my lead. And looking back, what I should have done is to provide more autonomy to leadership there by trusting their skill set but also verifying their performance by listening. And that's an important concept I think a lot of doctor leaders don't do, is listening and then collaborating with them on their challenges, not your own challenges, but their challenges, rather than just simply dismissing their issue and just moving forward with your agenda. So ultimately, what I should have done is created more opportunity for the leaders. I should have created more levels of collaboration and then using their strengths to help their own confidence level of function so that they had a better command of running the office on their terms, still utilizing the company missions, don't get me wrong. But what I did is I got too top down in my management style, meaning that I just kind of thought I had it all figured out and they just had to follow my blueprint and it all typically worked out. But that was what led to my failure. And I've talked about it in presentations. I was a jerk. I mean, I didn't think I was at the time, but I looked back and I thought, man, what was I thinking there? I mean, would have I appreciated that leadership style? Would I have been inspired? Hell no. You know, if anything, I'm glad I had that experience still because thankfully it gave me the opportunity to learn from all these mistakes and understand that I needed to transform my leadership style. And kind of like we talked about before earlier is to learn those win-win scenarios to build from an inspired team that wants a practice vision to, occur, to truly occur because we're doing something bigger than ourselves, right? We're actually creating and living out that mission of serving people better. But what I did wrong, and again, I said before, I just basically took this level of like, just do what I do and thinking that it would all work out. But that was for me, the defining moment, which has allowed me to kind of transform my leadership style. So 
but we could kind of say it like this, if I can sum up what you said, really, as a practice owner, doctor, you really have two clients, right, or two check writers, or two audiences that you're marketing to and serving. The first is obviously the patient, making sure that they feel cared for, that their needs are met, that you're giving them, actively giving them what they want. So you have them to think about. But when you did that, the approach that you took, as you have said before on the podcast, led to, you know, managers leaving, associates leaving, all of those things. And so there's a second audience, so to speak, that you have to think about or a second client. And that second client is your associates and your, your associate doctors, your employees. They're your clients as well. And so what does it look like to focus on them and what they want in the midst of pushing the practice and the company's mission or pushing towards the company's mission as well? What does it look like to focus on them in that? You know, I think it really comes down to something that you prob- we all probably know, but we don't live it well enough. And for me, it's like, again, the focus needs to be just not on company performance, but the focus is for me now is always trying to create those win-win results for my team and the practice so that everyone's winning together. You know, ultimately, these are the scenarios that, that'll fit the company mission, right? Because if the company mission says serve people better, that's just not talking about patients, right? It's talking about the people in the organization. And if I'm not looking out to actually serve people better by creating these win-win scenarios and not being consistent about that message, that's typically what's going to lead to the downfall. So what I have found is that if you're focusing on mission-driven principles for the practice combined with measurable key performance indicators, meaning that you're tracking certain behaviors that lead to the success that you want the practice to do, and you've got achievable staff incentive plans, the practice then becomes a team-driven one based on the concept that we have now created a mission that's bigger than ourselves, right? And from an operational stand, we have clear objectives. We have clear actions in those key performance indicators we got to do, right? And then they know as they do those really good key performance indicators and they improve those numbers, they know they're going to get rewarded well for it. So if you think about it, you're creating this, this ecosystem that you have people there who are mission-driven. They have a, a cause bigger than themselves, you're creating these key performance indicators, which are essentially like you're just now giving them clear, they know what to do now. There's clear objectives. And the last component is like, well, great. Now we know if we do those things, we're also, great news, we're going to make more money. So it becomes this win-win situation for the practice, for the patients, for the team. And then the situation becomes where the owner doctor is no longer pulling the wagon anymore. or no longer kind of checking in so often and making sure people are doing their job. Because you have this scenario or, for lack of a better term, culture that is designed to be driven by your team and not an owner-doctor anymore. So now I always say, when you have clear, defined goals to hit, and you have a team who has a mission bigger than themselves, and you have a reward system in place for that, you are now creating a culture for success and not one dependent on an owner-doctor to figure it out as they go along. Said, I think you've touched on something that is so important and something that I see inside of dental offices all around the country is that many times the owner doctor and the staff are in an adversarial relationship. And when we get doctors behind closed doors and shut the door, they just really the language that they use when they talk about their staff is almost like their enemy. 
and this is how they're subverting me here, and this is how they're not doing what I need to do here, et cetera. And so I think this is so important. I love everything that you've said. I think in our next episodes, we need to break down exactly what you talk about. Talk about the key performance indicators. How do we communicate? First of all, what is it that we need to be tracking? And then how do we communicate that to the staff in terms of, hey, this is what we need you to do. I love that idea. We track these things because it helps our staff know what they need to do so that when, you know, the bombs are going off, so to speak, or when the complexity abounds in the dental office, the staff can go, well, these are the things that we need to focus on. And then also in future episodes, let's talk about those incentive plans and how to make sure that they feel rewarded. I think that's phenomenal. How does that sound? That sounds great. All right, man. Well, thanks for another episode and uh, we will talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks, guys.